This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. All right, welcome back to the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm your host for today, Cameron Tebbit-Dubai. I'm joined, as I always am, by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. We're brought to you by our friends, betonline.ag. And we welcome in a very special guest, Honest Larry One on Twitter, the man, the myth, the legend. Twitter's Larry Bird. Honest Larry, you how so are you? Much. Oh, uh, great. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. So for folks who don't know, uh, Honest Larry One on Twitter, we'll call him Honest Larry today, is a Celtics fan since since when, Larry? I would say 73, 4, around there. So he's... Jojo he's, White. Say Jojo White. Jojo White. So he was there when the Celtics were still black and white, and he's seen it all. <laughs> and he's here to talk about really anything under the Celtics sun, but we're mostly going to talk about the Kevin Garnett jersey retirement, which is happening this Sunday. March 13th in Boston, number five will go up to the rafters alongside perhaps too many numbers, which we'll get to. So um, that's the topic du jour. We're going to talk about Kevin Garnett. We're going to talk about the Celtics and we're here with our friend, Honest Larry. So Larry, uh, let's just start with Garnett, the Celtic. What was your favorite Garnett memory? Uh, I assume with the Celtics, I guess maybe you have another one. No, 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 no. Clearly, (laughs) did he play anywhere else? Not that I, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So game six, 2008 finals. Mama, there goes that man, right? Mark Jackson, mm-hmm. he's got the ball one hand off the glass. He goes onto the floor and you knew they had a championship. For me, that's the defining moment. I mean, we've been waiting a very long time for that, right? So that's my moment for Kevin Garnett, right? Alex, when did you become a Celtics fan? Were you a Garnett Celtics fan? So I was part of the Garnett to Celtics fan pipeline, actually. I was a Garnett fan first. Um, I, so I lived in Nashville, Tennessee, and the Grizzlies were horrible at that time. So I didn't really get super into basketball uh, on a team basis. But I did really love Kevin Garnett and just like the way he played and the like energy that he brought to the game. So when Garnett went to the Celtics, also the same year that I moved to Boston, it was a match made in heaven. And I've been a Celtics fan ever since. Do you have a favorite KG memory? Oh man, there's so many to choose from. You know, honestly, my favorite KG memories 
really even didn't even have anything to do with the actual games itself. The thing that really always stood out to me with KG was the warm-ups where he would go and bang his head on the stanchion. That just represents like so much of what KG is about to me. Just like this guy was really, really just willing to um, do the craziest shit imaginable on a day-to-day basis to help his team win or just because he was like that. So I, I think I, that's just who he is. Yeah, I think that's just who he is. And it's a really nice like personification of who the guy who ultimately has become my favorite player ever. Well, tall talk. Justin, what about you? Well, I grew up in Southern New England and in the Larry Bird years, I was a child going into a preteen. So I was aware of them. They were, you know, my team as much as any kid that isn't you know, particularly athletic or inter- interested in sports otherwise. I didn't really get into the Celtics until much later uh, after becoming a UConn fan for reasons too long, too complex to talk about here. Uh, But just to jump the gun on what I'm assuming my next question is going to be, my favorite Kevin Garnett moment actually just happened. And it's only because it's relative. (laughs) No, you're very close though. You're, you're, you're in the right time frame. It has to do with a certain photo taken at a certain all-star game that is hopefully, please, God, a sign of no more talks of feuds and the title team that really cemented my following of the Celtics as my favorite team. Oh, all right. I know where you're going with that. All right, just to close the loop, I'm going to give a two-part answer. My first is anytime he interacted with Rondo, I just like big, scary KG and like the beast that would become Rondo was a great duo. And then um, the Celtics were a little past their prime at this point, but when he trash-talked uh, Carmelo Anthony, that was like so out of bounds and inappropriate. But as a fan, it was great. Um, I don't condone it, but it was great. Uh, all right, so let's Wait, talk can about- I give a second favorite? No. The Miami uh, Heat game, they were 2012. Garnett was over. Yeah. Right, the push-ups, exactly. Right? But it's not even the push-ups. He was in the post. He was in the yeah. post all day, all game. Even from when he very first started, he told, he told Kevin McHale, listen, that's not my game. That's, you know, he's almost like a, a player today. I'm, I don't want to be in the post. I'm not. But that game against Turiaf and Haslam, he was banging all day in the post. And then he did the push-ups. They didn't win anything. <laughs> But I I loved it. I loved all of it. I loved them banging around. He was incredible for that entire 2012 playoff run. I mean, that Celtics team was so injured and beat up and relying on so many unproven guys. They really had no business even being in the Eastern Conference Finals at all, let alone pushing the Heat to Game 7. And so much of that was just KG being unrelenting in his will to win basketball games. It was really nuts to watch. He's such an entertainer. Like he understood the moment. His legs were gone. It was it. So that's what he had to do to win. And it's like, it's like you said before, you did whatever it took to win. And that's a Celtic. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Good segue. So um, there, there is a long, long legacy of what it means to be a Celtic. Um, Today, I was writing about the legacy of the sixth man with the Celtics, right? Like a lot of what basketball culture is, is Boston Celtics culture. And all of that said, I get the sneaking suspicion. I spent my whole life in New England, save a year or two, that the big three title 
has so much more uh, mystique and mythology around it than maybe it deserves. So Larry, let me ask you about that. You've, you've been a, a New Englander uh, or New Englander by proxy your whole life. You've seen a lot of titles. Do you think that this big three team gets too much credit or do you think it was just that much lightning in a bottle? No, I don't think they get too much credit. Winning is hard. Yeah. You know, winning a title is hard. How many teams haven't won a title since the existence of the NBA, right? So, no, I don't think so. Um, I, they should have won it before. I thought they should have won it with Antoine and Paul. That's a different subject for a different day, I guess. But, no, I do not think they're overrated. You have, what, three Hall of Famers on that team, right? So, no. Yeah, full, you in, uh, eventually include Rondo or um, Shaq for a moment. Right. So, I, no, I, I, I will always, like, I always go back to Al Davis, just win, baby. And it's yeah. hard, man. It's It's really hard. So, no, I do not think they're overrated, not even for a little bit. No. You, um, do you think looking back, Garnett or, and or Pierce could have retired as Celtics or when they left, it was right? So Danny Ainge tried. Have you seen the Bill Simmons interview with Danny Ainge? Where he's saying that if it was him, he would have traded McCallum Bird, right? So yes, clear, yes, it was the right time. But if you're a Celtics fan, you want them to retire Celtics. It's it's a tough question because what do you want? Do you want to win? You want to win, guys. And, and there's no easy answer to that. Yeah. I mean, um, and to that end, this Celtics team doesn't exist without that trade, right? I mean, Brown and Tatum are right. products of that trade, right? So, uh, yeah, it was tough. I remember, like, I wasn't that old at the time, but, like, I still could intellectually know that the, the time was up, but, like, emotionally didn't process it for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Michael Jordan said, the first one's luck, the other one's you earn. Love that. Right? And that's great. KG got hurt. Yeah. yeah. You would have had a couple more, one more, anyways, right? Oh, they, mean, were, they were right they there were, in 2010, too. They were going to go back to back. And the Perkins deal still kills me. However, <laughs> good. So, did you watch um, the association? That was a television program in 2010 where that it was like the behind the scenes of the yes, Celtics. Yes, absolutely. The episode where Perk gets traded and he's just, I'm wearing a Perk sh- jersey by chance today. The no, episode, he never should have got traded. No. I mean, I know that they were afraid of LeBron and they needed a wing or whatever, but a per- I mean, Perk in the title that they won was an absolute monster. I just, I don't, I don't stand by that trade. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about Ainge later. However, that's how I feel about the same thing. When Ainge got traded, that's how I felt when Perk got traded. It's, it's like a piece of me. Yeah. yeah. That's true. It's All so right. tough. Like, he, they were definitely going to go back-to-back until KG got hurt. I, I truly believe in my bones that they were the best team in 2009. They were, they were 44-11. and 11. In that Utah Jazz game, the alley hurts his knee. That's it. Yeah. They were going to win it. And they might have won a couple more. I mean, yeah, the, the I'm not going to tell Larry, uh, Michael Jordan that he doesn't know basketball, but the first one is luck, the second, third you earn. It's all luck. I mean, it's all circumstance at, t- at the end of the day. 
I mean, you got lucky that you got on this podcast. You'll have to earn the next stint. But <laughs> exactly, and this will probably be my last. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you'll, my get, you'll get injured. Oh. You'll get <laughs> no, we're we're teachers here. We take care of teachers, uh, and to take care of these teachers, I'm going to do an ad read real quick. So. Let's talk about our friends at betonline.ag. Football might be over, but basketball is at full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, game totals, player performance props, or even where the next fired coach might land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Honest Larry, give me your honest opinion. Right now, the coach of the year candidates are Monty Williams, JB Bickerstaff, and way at the back of the pack, plus 2,000 is Ime Odoka. Do you think that Udoka muscles his way into a realistic coach of the year candidate? Um, Absolutely. I'm a homer. Let's, let's get that straight. I'm a homer first and foremost. However, yes, they, they started horrible. I hated them. I want to smash them all. Now I love them. Right. And they they may win this thing. Yeah. And I mean, I think the coaching is what's driving. I mean, not, I mean, Jason Tatum's trying. He may be the defensive guy, right? Yeah. It reminds me of Tibbs a little bit. Tibbs, Tibbs was the defensive guy. But defense wins ba- Defense wins football. Defense wins basketball. And that's what they're doing. They're playing hard. Marcus Smart has a lot to do with it, too, I think. I mean, oh, I'm a Marcus Smart guy. 16-3 since he got back. Well, 17-3, right? They won last night. 17-3 since he got back. It's unbelievable. Yes, I think Eme should get it if, if they keep going as they're going. All right. Well, Things if, right. if you believe Honest Larry, you could get Eme Odoka odds plus 2,000 on Bet Online right now. <laughs> Did I talk so, too long for that promo? No, that's <laughs> fantastic. That's pretty good odds, too. I'm actually yeah. thinking about maybe exploring that because those, those are pretty good odds. And if, I mean, if you this... want to explore those odds, head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. It's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, as well as your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination and the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Sorry. We had to do that. Uh, all right, let's let's keep talking about Jersey retirement. Let's keep talking about Kevin Garnett. I think we have um, some bones to pick with Danny Ainge, which I'm excited about. First and foremost, uh, Dr. Quinn, how many jerseys does uh, Boston have retired? Do you know off the top of your head? Off the top of my head? I know it ended in two. It's either 32 or 22. Uh, Larry. I got I got this stuff somewhere. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not something I keep in the top of my my uh my awareness, shall we say. Well, the question Kevin, I was 23 numbers retired, 17 championships. Not bad. Uh do you think, and Larry, you've seen a lot of these numbers go up in the rafters. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Do you think they have too many retired? No. One too many, maybe. One too many, but no. You, Who, who's I, the two men? Earlier, winning is hard, man. Winning championships is hard. These guys get rigged. They get their numbers retired. That's what happens. I mean, it's also like like the suggestion that to, what what number did we land on? Twenty three. What did I say? Seventeen. No, 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 no twenty. Twenty three. I mean, that is a, a huge number. I mean, that's a quarter 
of the numbers that they could possibly put on a jersey. But they also won 11 st- straight titles, 11 times. Put in perspective, oh. Canadians, Montreal Canadiens, yeah. 25 chips, 14 numbers. All right, so they're a little stingier. Yes, Yankees, 27 chips, 14 numbers. All right, so the Celtics are a little happy with that. But, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a problem with it. No, I don't either. Do you yeah. have a, do you have one in particular that like really resonates with you? Like I have a, a that shouldn't or should. Like, do you just have a number that like I'll tell you? I have a, a lock code to get into my apartment, and somewhere in the code, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I get to punch in 15, so I always think about Tommy Heinsohn. Do you have one that like throughout your day when you hear the number, you're like number uh, number 23. That's that's Ramsey or like anything like that. You got to think I'm just, just saying it to say it, but not all of them. I used to, my brother Danny had season tickets, right? Mm-hmm. And he dragged me along. I was first alternate, right? And I would, we would look at the numbers and I would memorize them. I was what? When we first started going, when he, we first started going 78 and we paid $3 for the second balcony and just sit down on the floor, <laughs> right? And we was, and then when Bird came, he bought seasons. Him and my other brother bought seasons, ten bucks each. Great behind, right, right behind Tommy and the cameras. But anyways, so I was first alternate to those two, but I would just memorize the numbers. Yeah, I would look at them and because because you're there and you're a kid. I, there's two things I did. I looked at numbers and I looked at sneakers. I knew who wore Nike. I knew who wore Converse, and I knew every single number and every single champion. But the the number that resonates, I guess, when I was a kid, would be Bob Cousy. Yeah. So um, this isn't a number, a question we prepared, but it occurs to me. What do you miss most about the old garden? Couple things. One, that's <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> the place just shook. It literally yeah. shook. I mean, when stuff was happening, I was there for a few bit. I was like I said, I was first alternate, so I didn't get to go to game sevens. You know, I went yeah. to game one and two, right? But I was there when Gerald Henderson stole the ball. I was there when Larry Bird smashed his head against the floor. And the play shook. I mean, it shook. It was smoky. It was leaking. There were sand piles everywhere. But it was fan- it was just great. I mean, it's raw. I'm a Red Sox guy too. It's a it's a very small difference how much I like the two. And Fenway and Boston Garden are my two favorite places in the whole wide world. But Boston, the old Boston Garden by far is first. Sure. It was electric. Man. Championship games and playoff games. I, I I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Cam, could you even imagine being able to get balcony t- balcony tickets for three dollars? Man, we would literally do second balconies. Second do nothing else. Like we would be there every night. I might try we were. Yeah. <laughs> we were at every home weekend here, but that was a Sydney Wicks, Curtis Rowe, Ernie D, Dave Bing. It was. They were good. <laughs> they were good. Well, when I um, this is now we're getting off topic. Uh, so I used to cover the game a little bit for Celtics Hub, and that was that was like the Gerald Wallace days. And so they put me in like the premium press seats. And then once the team got good, I went up into the halo. So I know the, the feeling of this is a bad team. And then, um, yeah. No yeah. Team. But we got to sit down on the floor at least because we would pay three bucks, but we would sit in the loges of the floor. 
Yeah. That one, apologies to uh, whoever has to do the mute button on this episode of the podcast. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the, the topic of the day. Um, so number five is going up on Sunday and I, deservedly, we all agree. Let's be honest. Uh, Larry, I'll go to you. Would Ray Allen or Rondo ever get up there or no? Yeah, sure. But this is, this is I, I alluded to this earlier, before they get up there, Danny Ainge gets up there. All right, so tell me more about that. Two rings, all-star. And we all remember him for the fights, right? Tree Rollins, Sadell Threat, um, Sidney Moncrief, Isaiah shoved him into... We all remember that part of Danny A. He was a baller, right? Yeah. He was a baller. He was an all-star in 1980. Against the Lakers, it was 85 when they lost. Two big shots to win the game. In, 80, in that game, the, in the Larry Bird steel game, mm-hmm. he hit two big shots to make sure they were in that game. One big three, another one for 20 feet. He belongs there. I think, forget about the post-player part, right? When he came back as GM president, whatever the position was. But I mean, even that's that's a, huh? Even even his GM work. I mean, he basically brought the the the, the team back from the wilderness era almost single handedly. Won a title, stayed in contention for almost five years. I mean, just on the strength of his GMing alone, I think that he's in the conversation. Oh, absolutely. But even without that, I think he gets in. He should. I think he should. And I think he would have been if he didn't become in that position, right? Yeah. I think they kind of had to wait a minute because it doesn't look good. He's yeah. the president and now he's putting himself his own number up there, right? So I think that kind of had to wait. But as a player, I mean, he was one of my favorites. Yeah. But I mean, he's it's, a baller. It's crazy that the, uh, pardon me for the stereotype, but the white guy from Utah who's a Mormon was like the muscle on the team. I mean, I guess the whole team was a muscle, but uh, the Marcus Smart role going to pretty boy Danny Ainge is like pretty nuts if you think about it. His nose was always in there. Yeah. I'm looking at some stats right now. Sorry. And you know, Danny actually had some pretty killer seasons here. In 1987 and 88, he averaged nearly 16 points a game, six assists, uh, nearly 90% from the line, 53% uh, or no, I think it's 491 overall and 415 from deep. Like that's a pretty damn good season. <laughs> yeah, I got I got him for his career for his career with the Celtics. 38 percent from three. Yeah, and that was like before they invented the three point shot. Like he was <laughs> right, and that's what they were doing. He took a few, but yeah. All right, so let me go, Alex and um, Justin. I, let's let's use uh, Larry's framework here. If you had to pick one, Ray, Rondo, or Ainge, whose number are you retiring? I'm retiring Rajan Rondo's number first. And that's no disrespect to Ainge or Ray, who I also agree should both be retired. I just think that Rondo is one of the most criminally underrated players of his generation. He was legitimately maybe the top two point guard in the league with Chris Paul for a solid three to four seasons uh, and his 2012 playoff run. I mean, he really went like toe-to-toe with LeBron James at the peak of his powers and that series Rondo really blossomed into a true superstar I know that his peak 
was relatively short. It was only about three to four years, really. But when Rondo was at his best, he was an absolutely elite player, like among the top 10 best guys in the league. And so I think if we're looking at the credentials that uh, you need to get into the Hall of Fame to begin with, Rondo fits the bill in a lot of ways. Thank you. What about you? So for me, it's Danny Ainge, just based on what he did as a Celtic player. You've already heard me ramble on about how he was you know, a really important general manager in the history of the Celtics. Maybe, you know, the most important since Red, really. That said, I mean, you can make the case for Rondo, but for me, the thing about Rondo is a lot of what has really helped his Hall of Fame case didn't happen in Boston. I mean, yes, a large chunk of it did, but the second title with the Lakers, you know, I think for me, if we just look at what they have done in Boston, I think Ainge has the best credentials of the three combined. Yeah. Uh, I, my heart says Rondo, my brain says Ainge. Um, let me ask you this. this I say one yeah. Rondo thing yeah. with Alex and Rondo. I love Rondo. Do you remember him playing? Do you remember him out, out playing Derek Rose? Oh my God. Yes. Like it was yesterday. It was so fun. It was so great. Didn't it make you feel good? <laughs> Yes. I mean, I, I legitimately believe that Rondo was the second best point guard in the league behind only Chris Paul. And it was really close. So I, as much as I love age, I love Rondo too. So it's really hard for me to pick between the two. I mean, when he, when he is like arm was dislocated and, and he was like up against LeBron in that Miami series. I, I loved that. Um, I, he's tough as stuff. That's it. <laughs> All right, so Garnett's number is going to go up. That number five is going to be retired. And that is going to be only the third time in the 21st century a number's been retired. Paul Pierce's number 34 was retired in uh, 2018. And Cornbread, friend of the podcast, Cedric Maxwell, his number 31 was retired in 2003. Um, I have vague memories of, of Maxwell. I definitely remember the Pierce one. Uh, Larry, I'll go to you. Is there a Jersey retirement moment or ceremony or like lead up that you specifically remember? This is a couple. Yeah, sure. We love you, Coos, which is easy, right? We love you, Coos, when he's Bob Coozies doesn't have any words. Right. It's like the Lou Gehrig thing, but better for me, <laughs> right? He's got tears in his eyes. He can't even talk. And we love you, Coos, right? Fantastic. And if and if you listen to other ones, like I think Mikhail, if you listen to a couple other ones, you hear, we love you, Kevin. Yeah. They do it because of the coos thing. Mm -hmm. right? But well, I think my favorite moment is the Larry Bird ceremony. It's not magic. It's Cedric. Okay. When he pulls out the when he pulls out the present, right? Yeah. He's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it's a commemorative <laughs> coin, but isn't even like I'd like to um, dedicate this on behalf of the team. And then he doesn't even know what it is. And he opens it up. Goes, what the hell is this? And, he goes, and two guys who aren't here. And one of them is Terry Durod. And the whole place goes, do. If, if you guys went to game, I'm, you're young. You guys seem very young. Well, if you guys went to games, whenever Durod came in, the whole place went, do. Yeah. So that was the, the Cedric Maxwell moment, even more than the, magic moment for me in the Larry Bird one and the coolest one. Those are my two favorite. 
So right. he's referring to, for those of you who don't know, the moment where Magic and Larry were on stage talking with each other and Magic Johnson revealed underneath his, his shirt that he had a Celtic shirt on underneath his, his uh, Lakers jacket. Yeah. And he had that nice speech. He gave a little nice speech. No, he did. Yeah. I hate yeah. I don't care. Still hate <laughs> 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 Um. All right. Uh, so let's keep it moving, I guess. I, I, one of the things that I want to ask you, just Larry, because you're here, if you've been a fan since, as we've established, the 70s, and don't give me the obvious answer because we can all fill in the gap. The, the prompt is how much has the game changed? You can talk about threes a little bit. You can talk about uh, really whatever you want. Threes for me is part of it. I was watching the Big Ten tournament. I'm, I'm a Rutgers guy. I ended up graduating Rutgers. I'm a Rutgers guy. I'm okay. watching the Big Ten tournament last night. Nebraska scares me, by the way. I'm very scared of Nebraska. You should be too. <laughs> Anyways. They would just stop it. Like they were in a three and two break. I, I, wrote, I, I tweeted this last night to you when I was watching it. There were a three and two break, a two and one break, a five, and they're stopping at the three. Yeah. It just goes, and I understand it's a different game. I'm old. It's just, it goes against everything I know. Go to the basket, get three the hard way. You know, I, I don't understand it. And I also think it, it just makes the game not as fun. It's easy to say the three ruin the game. And I don't believe that. However, the way it's used, ruins it. it's just not a, there's no flow. You go to the hole, it's not there, you kick it out and that's it, that's the game. And the, and the, the pick and roll too, and the, the, the pick and roll will always be there no matter, no matter what. But right. I, I do think the three is the biggest problem. It's easy to say and everyone says it, but I do, I believe it. It just makes the game unpretty. I mean, so I'll push back in that when it when it's clicking, when it's Steph Curry pulls up and there's that moment anticipation. Yes. When it's the Spurs and like the ball just moves and moves and moves, then it's then I think the revolution is great. Sure, the Nuggets too. I'll put the Nuggets in that conversation. Sure, and maybe maybe the Celtics team if um if Spurs East pans out. If, um, if, if Marcus keeps to the the program. Right, but then yeah, well, Smart's a great example of that. Yes, the math like sort of says that a three is better than a two, but first of all, only if you hit them. And second of all, it's an entertainment product. So at a certain point, yeah, the math plans out. We want championships, but it's a little ugly. Um, what else? What else is different about the game that you would um, bring back from the 70s and 80s? Either like the presentation on television, the X's and O's, the presentation at the stadium. Like what, what needs to change or go back? The all-star game. Oh, hell yeah. Play some goddamn defense. <laughs> Act like you give a sh something, right? <laughs> Act like you care. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The All-Star game is, is unwatchable. And it used to be my favorite thing. I used to love watching them line up. I used to love watching them. But who cares now? I don't care about who, who, who LeBron picks. Don't care. I want to see him play, and I want to see my guy do good. But I want to – I don't know if you remember. The, I don't know what year it is now that I'm thinking of it. 83, maybe. Birds diving into the crowd to save a ball. That never happened now. Well, no! Gian- Giannis doesn't seem to understand. Giannis goes full tilt True. in the All-Star Sure, sure. No, there's guys. Yeah. But. Yeah, it. I mean, that, I'll just add to that, that the dunk contest, uh, there are still dunks out there. I see them on YouTube and stuff. Random kids all across the world have unbelievable dunks, but NBA players can't seem to figure it out. Uh, Justin, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that we need to see the kind of media access that we had in that era. I mean, in that era, we had Bob Ryan hanging out at bars with Larry Bird after games and just talking up what was happening in their lives and going on like around the league in ways that, you know, just like hyper availability. Excuse us. <laughs> the, the hyper availability of the modern media representation is surprisingly that much more shallow. Right. Like we have all of this availability of these players, but the things we learn about them are all through the same stupid Zoom scrum and the same limited access that the post pandemic media sphere has become. And we are missing out on so many cool stories because of that. Yeah. It's interesting. We've talked about this a little bit. um, This idea that like the media shouldn't be in the locker room or um, the relationship that the, or the, even what the, the players owe the fans, right? Part of me thinks absolutely it should be the stories that um, Jackie Mack tells about hanging out with the drunk Larry Bird and having like a real personal relationship with the storytellers of the game. But part of me also says that uh, sometimes the media sticks their nose in business that doesn't belong to them. And I can understand why the players aren't a huge fan of that. So that's a, that's an off-season podcast that I desperately want to have. Yeah, Larry. So I... I- I'm old, so I listen to Tony Kornheiser's podcast. Oh, me too. I, I listen to you guys too. Let's cheese the baby. But he great. was yesterday, the day before. I forget who's the guy, the post guy he had on that was saying the exact same thing you guys are talking about that they have limited access. So yeah. you don't hear the stories, you don't know the guy. It's just like, it's a detriment to us. He says that, so it's just the guys in the basement. <laughs> Right, <laughs> writing whatever they want to write because they don't have access to these guys anymore. They right. used to be on the planes with them. They used to be, but 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 Tony Cohen and I, they were talking about this exact same thing, and they said it's 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 to the ruinment of sports journalism. It's kind. Of, it's really interesting because I feel like in a lot of places now, it's actually that the players have an almost adversarial relationship with the press, and I think yeah. part of that is potentially so 
I don't want to say it's justified because in general, we should try not to have adversarial relationships with people that we work with. But, um, you know, at the same time, there's, I think, particularly with social media and the ease of people being able to reshare like viral clips, there are a lot of players now who see members of the media and who and maybe it's like the same national guys over and over again or something like that. Or maybe it's this one beat guy that has a particular ax to grind for whatever reason. Um, I think of like, for example, you know, Russell Westbrook, who, you know, Russell Westbrook has not done a great job uh, being a press relations guy, to put it lightly. But part of that, I think, is driven by the fact that Russell Westbrook has also been asked a lot of stupid questions over the course of his career. And I think that the other players see that and they're hyper aware of not only how they're perceived by the media, but how all the other players are perceived. And I think about like the fact that Kevin Durant is, by all accounts, you know, one of the five best players in the league and just a gigantic figure in the day-to-day -day operations of the NBA. And Kevin Durant hates dealing with media people and the press and kind of sets the tone in that regard. So I, I think it's, it's a little bit of that. It's also that these players, like some of these players really just don't like being on camera in a way that they can't really control exactly what they're trying to say. Yeah. I mean, I... I think we're going to revisit this in the off season because I have a lot of thoughts on this and we have limited exposure in the game. We're not players. So let's shelve it. Um, I have one more rant about uh, the modern game that I want to do. And then we'll do positive stuff. We'll talk about KG again. I am so nervous about the day that the Boston garden plays music while the game is being played. Other stadiums do it. You see it on television. It offends me to my bones when you go to the garden, it's still cheesy. They do the Casper side, everybody clap thing. They, they have the organ. I mean, some of it's canned and, and a little much, but just like the, the rah-rah of the atmosphere and like the integrity of the game being the product in person and on television, once you're just playing music while the guys are shooting around, it's, it's fundamentally a different product and it, I flamboyantly hate it. And I'm so nervous that someday TD Garden is going to choose to play music while the Celtics play their games, like while the ball is moving around. And I, I'm not going to get over it. I'm, I'm yeah. going to have... It's stupid and terrible and needs to stop. I blame NBA 2K. I really yeah, do. You know what Red said, right? Over my dead body, will they have cheerleaders? <laughs> will they have this stuff? And they wait till the day he died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then they put that stuff in. Awful. Awful. Like, I get it. Like, you pay an arm and a leg. Like, you Maybe you drive your kid down from Maine. Like, you deserve to get your money's worth. But cool. there's a way to put on a show that doesn't fundamentally take away from the show that's on stage, which is basketball. Let me tell you something. We used to drive. I grew up in Belmont. We would drive down Starrow Drive, right, to the garden. The, the, the game was the show, man. Yeah, yeah. John Kylie on the organ. I guess winning helps. Winning helps. Winning helps. The game was the show. Yeah. And we went nuts. The, I, I said it before, the place literally shook. You didn't need like, what the nonsense. You didn't need it. And now, again, I'm an old guy. I'm 55. But it's nonsense, I think. 
It's been a problem since Tony Lavelli was playing the accordion at halftime. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine with a halftime show. I'm fine with dress, like on the log TV timeouts, have the kids dress up in the big shorts. I think that's great. It's just the music during the game. I mean, you if you're the Wizards and you can't sell tickets, whatever, try something. But like they have the Nets, they have the best player in the world playing basketball, and they just have 10 second hip hop samples while he bricks a shot, and then they have to change the song. It's so. Anyways, let's not go Kevin Garnett. I, I want to say one more thing to this. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know I'm white or white on green. That's it. Yeah. The oh, rest, oh, yes. Not, that's oh it. Oh, my God. Thank you so that's much it. for saying it. Thank you so much for saying it. I am tired of the alternates. Just Garbage. Understand and it. I got to say. Garbage. <laughs> you didn't Look like it. the, uh, the uh, Irish pub alternates? No, they were terrible. Some of them aren't as bad as others. But they all suck. The pub, the <laughs> pub alternates. The only thing I can think of when I think of the pub alternates is Ennis Cantor getting just shredded <laughs> for like twenty possessions in a row on defense. No, I'm out. While we're on it, and then then we will move on. And 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 we're all teachers here. We know that it comes from a really bad part of American cultural history. I think you should wear white jerseys at home. It's really confusing when you're on the road wearing your white jerseys and vice versa. Again, I know that's rooted in a supremacy and an ideology probably that's really messed up. Really? I never knew, I never heard that before. I didn't whole, either. I, I just assumed the whole like white purity. I'm a history teacher, I had no idea. That's my guess. I, I could be loud <laughs> wrong, but my guess is like, whatever, we, that's, a, that's also a different podcast. My, my thing to all the kids is, when you're asking a question, the answer is money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's another. That's another. Uh, well, to me, we should start a history teacher podcast. Why not? White on green, green on white. That's it. Fantastic. All right, let's bring it home. Um, let's do one more KG go around of, of memories or just like isms because this is really his pod, and then we'll talk about the future of the Celtics. So, um, I'll let I'll go first so that people have time to think. Let's just let's just bask in KG's glory. Um, a little bit more and um, I'll tell a story which was I was uh, when I was covering the game I was at the game where he came back for the first time with the Timberwolves so uh, a lot of fanfare a lot of people in the house oh my goodness can Kevin Garnett swear you would think that he was a professional sailor he was in the tunnel first of all uh, I can't tell the story on air but really laid into scal phenomenal but uh, Larry I know that you're struggling to uh, keep a PG Garnett would not be able to be on this podcast just oh absolutely not <laughs> such a sharp and uh he's definitely never had soap in his mouth and don't change Kevin Garnett if you're listening so anyways um hopefully that bought you some times uh some time to think anyone in any order a Kevin Garnett shout out bar fight gotta have that in there tell us tell the people okay so Kevin Garnett was at least theoretically being interviewed by Craig Sager after a 21-point comeback to the Orlando Magic. And he just kind of went off on his own tangent about how the game was a bar fight and talking about how all kinds of stuff. Basically, if you haven't seen it, go grab a YouTube video, Kevin Garnett bar fight. It's not exactly an interview. It's not exactly a discursus, whatever it was, it is a part of the Kevin Garnett lore. You can't miss it. All right, fantastic. Uh, I've got one that Alex, is- Alex, go. Yeah, it's, this is actually has almost nothing to do with basketball and has everything to do with Kevin Garnett maniac. 
Um, so, and I, I think I've told this story on the pod before, but I read a while back in an article that Kevin Garnett at one point, so Kevin Garnett takes his entire life as seriously as basketball, we'll be shocked to learn. And at one I point, this is going. at one point, Kevin Garnett was reported to be a fan of the uh, now defunct reality show Making the Band, which is basically, a re- <laughs> it's like reality TV American Idol, but for full bands instead of just one singer. And Kevin Garnett got really wrapped up in this show to the point where he like picked a band that he really liked and was like, I want them to go all the way. Lo and behold, this band actually made it to the final of this series, Making the Band. And Kevin Garnett reportedly was so hype about seeing them make the final that he bashed a hole in the plaster of his own wall using his head, just to kind of show that Kevin Garnett is exactly who he he says he is. Like everything that he presents on the court is who he is in real life. He must either, whenever it's bedtime, just fall asleep because he's so tired or he must never sleep. I bet that the, there's only two ways that he operates. I'm going with never sleep. All right, um, Larry, a uh, uh, miscellaneous KG thought. Well, one is when he first got signed here. Uh, that's it. We got it because yeah. we already had we already had Ray, mm-hmm. we already had Paul, and now we get KG. I'm like, it's like that commercial. As I, I knew where I was when I heard it, right? And we want. I knew. I knew we had at least one. I thought we had a bunch. To be honest, I thought we were going to win like four titles. So that's one, one, when he first got signed here in that press conference with him and Paul and, and, and Ray, I thought, we got this. Um, the other one is with Justin, do you remember he's with them and he said about the making fun of his suit when KG was with your boy and he's making fun of his oh, suit. I love Craig Sager's suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't wear that. It's like, Craig, you can't wear that. All right. But, but 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 when he first signed here in that press conference, I was never so happy. You understand, it's, it's since 86. We went through, I, I'm old. I went through Patino. I went through all these horrible teams. Yeah. And, and then when KG got here, I was like, we got this. Thank God. So I mean, yeah. It's when he first signed. That frame is so important that players who weren't supposed to die, died. Uh, things right. that weren't supposed to break one way definitely broke not in favor of the Celtics. And the year before Garnett and uh, Rayon came, what did they win, 18 games? I mean, it was just not... It's the biggest turnaround in history, in NBA history. Yeah. When KG got it. I mean, and he he did, I mean, we talked about, um, you know, was he here long enough, right? His six years here, they had the third best record in basketball, right? I think mm-hmm. it was Spurs, Lakers, Celtics, right? Yeah. His six years, and then the number one defensive team in history. So his number getting retired isn't a question to me. Does I have a question for you guys? Does is LeBron an all-time Laker? Because if the answer is yes, then it clearly it's yes for. Me. I don't think he is. <laughs> I don't think he should be, but I think he's going to be. Jerry West only has one ring. Yeah, but Jerry West went to like nine. I know, he played there for a million years. I know. I, I, know. <laughs> I, I honestly think a lot of it depends on how long is LeBron going to be a Laker after this season. And I don't know that it's necessarily going to be all that long. If he does one four-year stint with the Lakers and wins a title, like that's a great run. But 
I, I think the Lakers bar for retiring players is a little higher than that. Right. I mean, yeah. And the, what he means to the psyche of the team. I mean, I don't think he vaunted like a whole generation of Lakers fans back into relevancy. The Lakers were already doing okay. KG and Pierce and, Paul and, and Ray brought the Celtics back from the brink. I mean, so it's a little, it's a little different, but if he, if they go back to the finals, if he and Bronny play there, I mean, there's a world where he matters enough to the Lakers, but I could see him being done with the Lakers after this season. I mean, it's looking ugly. Back to Cleveland. Done with them now. I would go back to Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, all right. So, Larry, you mentioned the defense. Let's um, let's wrap by looking forward. This Celtics team history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. This Celtics team plays defense about as good as anyone, and it's the last time that the Celtics have really hung their hat on defense in such a powerful way. Um, how far can this Celtics team go? And is it because of the defense, or is it because of what Jason Tatum's up to? I don't think you can separate the two. Jason Tatum's playing defense. Yeah, right, fair. <laughs> right? A, but no, I don't, I think, I think, A, we're fools if we discount the Nets right now. Sure. Do you want to play them? No. Right. And do you think the six, who's going to be one? I don't know, the Heat, the six, who's going to be one? Probably the Heat have got the one seed at this point. Who, the Heat? Yeah. yeah. Do they want to play them at, at the eight? Nope. <laughs> right. So, and the Sixers, I don't want to play you. I'm fine yeah. with playing the Sixers. I think yeah, that's I know. They're so. well built, but we'll see. Um, but we're, I, I think coming out of the East, we have as good a shot as anybody. Yeah. Alex has been saying that for a while. Teams. I think all, and the Greek Freak, the Bucks, the Bucks are tough too. So, but yes, I think I think the way that we're playing defense and what would Jason get, 44 the other night? Forty-four after fifty-two. What's the number I saw? the last guy to get forty-four ever in two nights back to back or whatever it was. Four-day four-day franchise record tying. I think it was tying. I don't know if it was tying or breaking, but it's one of the two of Kevin McHale for the most in four games consecutively scored. They're tough, man. Do you want to? And like I said, do you want to play the Nets? Do you want to play the Celtics? I don't think anyone wants to play the Celtics. Not right now. You want to play Marcus Smart? Do you want Marcus Smart in your mug all day? Oh, all right. So I'm a Marcus Smart guy. He's my guy. As <laughs> as are we all, by the way. Oh, is that true? Oh, yes. oh hell yeah. <laughs> I was when when we when this a uh, few weeks ago he was like, yeah, I still have glass in my hand. I can't really feel it. I had a, I had a week where I was like, well, that seems like that's the end of Marcus Smart, but I'm I'm over it. No, this was 17 and three since he's been back with the glass in his hand. Not a coincidence. Uh, apparently not. All right. So, uh, Larry, I'm going to go to you first, but Alex and Justin, you're not off the hook. How far does the Celtics team go this season? If they get out of the ECF, they can win it. I think the East wins it. That's what I think. And I think the Celtics, like we said, there's a tough road to hoe. You could be a politician with that answer. All right, Alex, give me one. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be a little more direct. The Boston Celtics are winning the Eastern Conference this year. Woo! I don't know how they're going to do in the finals. We'll see how their opponent is, but they're winning the East. I'm calling it. Wicked cool. Uh, Justin? Healthy winning the East if they have a serious injury to any starter, then they're probably going to stop wherever that happens. Yeah, Wait, can I say one thing quickly? Yeah. Rob Williams. That's all I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> You know what you mean. 
<laughs> That's funny. Like anyone listening knows exactly what you mean. <laughs> yes. Hero. All right. Yeah. The Celtics are going to the finals. Let's have it. Why not? Um, all right. Larry, five years from now, are Tatum and Brown on the team? This is where it gets hard. I mean, it's not like it used to be where you had, you had Larry Bird forever. You had Kevin McHale forever, right? Yeah. Who knows, man? I don't think – whatever the link to their contracts are, it's all about the money and whoever wants to go where. I hope they stay. I love Jalen. One of my favorite new Celtics moments is Jalen Duncan on LeBron. It's, it's my favorite clip with the uh-huh. kid in the Brady shirt going up. <laughs> so I, I don't want to – but who knows, man? As I, I saw the five, ten years. Who knows? I, I don't know. What, it's all about money. It's all, and I don't blame them, but who knows? I didn't even know what I was going to ask. They stay, they win. If these guys stay together, they win. If they don't. All right. I, let's end on that. I love that. Let's end on that. All right. Uh, Honest Larry one on Twitter, daily source of uh, NBA knowledge bombs, NBA laughs, um, and our new favorite podcast guest, because this was amazing. So congratulations to Kim Garnett, but congratulations to Celtics Lab for landing uh, Honest Larry. And congratulations to you guys. For having you on the pod. Yeah, exactly. For having me. Yeah. <laughs> for having me. Yeah. All right, so um, go find Honest Larry on Twitter, at HonestLarry1. We won't reveal his real name because the students might be listening, but um, Honest Larry, this was a blast. This was great. No, and, uh, thank you guys so much. You guys are great. You guys are fantastic. Thanks so much, man. I'll yeah. never go on another podcast besides yours. Well, Sounds oh, like we have exclusive And we'll come on yours, you. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks everyone Thanks. for listening. We'll uh, we'll catch you soon. All right. Thanks again, Honest Larry. That was some of the most fun we've had on this podcast. With respect to our other guests, um, I don't know. I don't know if I know a bigger Celtics fan than my new friend, Honest Larry. Uh, we couldn't get out of here without talking about how Jason Tatum has been playing. Um, so, uh, yes, in theory, we're supposed to go piecewise. The games that have happened in the past few days, and I will just make mention that uh, they played Atlanta since we talked last. They played Memphis, which uh, that was a pretty special duel between Tatum and Ja. They played Brooklyn, and uh, Taco J went for 54, and most recently they played Charlotte and 44 more points from the man from St. Louis. So we don't need to go in piecewise. We don't even need to be measured about this, but holy crap, the Celtics have an MVP caliber player, and that's not hyperbole. Um, Justin, Alex, one of you, where are you at with this? Because it's a big one. I mean, I think this is just the next logical phase in something that we've come to see for a little bit now, which is that Jason Tatum kind of doesn't, he doesn't put the pedal to the metal until slightly after the all-star break. And then when he does, he becomes a transcendent level player. I think it's mm-hmm. fair to say that Tatum starts off these uh, regular seasons a little bit bored if that makes any sense and you know kind of understandably so but um after the all-star break he's just a killer I mean if you look at his body language he's way more animated both uh in terms of like his expressiveness when he's doing things um calling out rotations on defense you know just generally being a much more active presence 
uh, around the game and around the team. And so as great as the scoring has been, as great as the defense and playmaking and really every facet of his game has been, what's really stood out to me is that Jason Tatum is playing hard right now. He cares about these games and he wants to win every single one of them. It's like the thing I've ever seen before from him, honestly, like he's always turned it on, but now he looks like he's out there trying to end people, which is very not in character, as is his very vocal leadership. So when we see these things combined, this is part of the thing that is pushing me towards really believing that we have a potential contender on our hands. Yeah, I got three things I'd like to talk about. First, we've, we've mentioned this. I think it was Andrew Doxey who said that Tatum is the most skilled or talented Celtic of all time. Or something like that. Most athletic. Most athletic. I think about that tweet a lot. I think it was you, Doxy. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Um, second, I believe it was on the television broadcast. They mentioned that Tatum, he's been keeping his elbow uh, actually out a little more. They let him kick his elbow, which is like not the Ray Allen move, but they tweaked his shot a little bit. And oh my goodness, his shot is so pretty right now. It, it Even if he's well defended or if he's wide open, it just snaps so beautifully um and then third uh forsberg was tweeting about this i guess tatum has been blowing kisses as his like new signature yes i love this it's so funny all right and it's supposedly he did it he told uh abby chin this um he did it and he went home and deuced his four-year-old son mimicked him blowing kisses with both hands and that's it now he's like the gladiator or something it's it's so cool um, I, I cannot wait for him to kiss a team goodbye in the playoffs. That's going to be so sick. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's an image, isn't it? Uh, man. Um, okay. So where are we at with that 50 point game? Uh, Cause that wasn't just any 54 point game. That was the, the team needed those 54 points. Um, Alex, uh, where did you, you, did you watch the game? I watched- hear in my voice how like animated I am about this. This is so fun. So I watched the first three quarters of the game and then I listened to the remaining uh, portion of the game in the fourth quarter in my car to get the full Sean Grandy experience. Shout out Sean, friend of the pod, big fan. Um, But I, you know, just listening to the game as I was driving to wherever it was that I was driving and hearing like Tatum, you know, drives to the rack and one Tatum pull up three, got it like over and over and over again was just a really cool experience because by the time the game was wrapping up, I knew that every time Jason Tatum's name was mentioned, something cool was about to happen. And that was really, really fun. Uh, Dr. Quinn, I know you watched the game. Any thoughts? You did not know that I watched the game. I oh, actually, you didn't. You had. Yeah, you, you were, it was my wife's engaged. birthday, and I absconded. Uh, Austin Krell, thank you very much. If you happen to be listening for covering that for us, did watch it later in terms of highlights, but uh, it was definitely not the experience either of you guys got because I was watching the box score at an Italian restaurant. I watched on an airplane, and you don't focus on television more than when you're on an airplane. I mean, what else are you going to do? Uh, so I devoured that game. Um, that was really exceptional. And what I loved about it was, yes, Tatum is an MVP caliber player, and that's the ultimate currency in the NBA, and that's how you win titles. But Smart complimented him well. Horford during the Memphis game was such an important piece. Um, Jalen Brown is not a complimentary piece, but a fellow star, and it shows. I mean, it just it, it's clicking right now. Um, 
Can I give a quick shout out to Al Horford? Just that guy has been playing so freaking well lately. He's been really, yeah. He's he's just been a, a linchpin for everything that they're doing, and I he's not getting the defensive player of the year love. He's not getting the MVP love. Uh, he's not going to make an All NBA team. But man, that guy is important. So shout out to you, Al Horford. We love you here at the Celtics there, Lab. There was a recent uh, tweet from I think it was Tom Westerholm talking about how he was digging into defensive metrics to see who really had the better case for defensive player of the year on the Celtics time Lord or Marcus smart and came away thinking that it was actually Al Horford. So yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I was going to add, uh, it was, I was going to do it as a trivia question. It doesn't quite work. Al Horford is second in minutes played since the all-star game. Um, so either he is the secret sauce and they need him. Either he is feeling spry and he is ready to rock or both. But either way, I desperately hope that trend holds because, yeah, love me some rejuvenated Al Horford. Um, and you know what? Derek White and Grant Williams uh, as co-six men works fantastic. And a little bit of Pritchard uh, sprinkled in there too. So, man, it, everything's coming up Millhouse for the Celtics. This has been so, so – it's so much more fun to do this podcast when the Celtics win games than – uh, when we did this podcast back in December. How is your mental health? My mental health is bad. How is your mental health? Yeah, we don't even have to update each other on grading or construction. We actually have basketball to talk about. All right, uh, Nick Stauskas is on the team. Um, that might be interesting. Stauskas. Um, yeah, he played alongside uh, or under Jason Terry, right? Uh, with the Grand Rapids G League team. And Luke Cornett and Hauser are up in Maine, so we're still using Maine effectively. Anyone who's gotten this far in the podcast knows what's good with the Celtics right now. They know that the East is wide open and the Celtics ought to finish strong, but there's enough proof in this pudding that let's get this playoffs, let's get them started. So uh, anything else you guys want to say or let's wrap? Just Just be sure to check out Glenn, Big Baby Davis, trying his hand at comedy. I hear it's pretty good. Whoa, I hate, I I feel like that's so bad. That's so cringy and horrible. Um, Big Baby, come on the podcast and show oh us your God. stuff. We would love to have Big Baby oh, yeah. on the podcast. Please. <laughs> well, speaking of former players and speaking of comedians, that's a tease, boys and girls. So uh, like and subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already, so you never miss an episode. Thanks to betonline.ag and thank you so much to Honest Larry for tickling our fancy for the first part of this pod. So we will talk sooner than you think and yeah, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.